Hey everybody, it's time Lock for Talk Radio. Startup Office Hours. Time for Startup Office Hours. Hey, I'm Scott Fox. Welcome to the Orange County Startup Council's monthly free startup coaching and advice hour. Here today to take your questions about startups, um, entrepreneurship, strategy, raising money, maybe some legal issues. We have a special guest today, Joe Daniels from McCarter and English uh, out of New York, who is a startup lawyer expert. And a bunch of you have written in with camera with questions. And if you'd like to join me on camera today, we'd be happy to see you uh, live. Uh, I'm Scott Fox, uh, CEO of the Startup Council. And if you'd like to join us on camera, you can do that here. There's a link showing on your screen. And uh, if you're joining us on uh, YouTube or LinkedIn Live or Facebook or any of those places, you can enter comments, and those will show up as questions in the chat, which is right here. And we'd be happy to hear from you and uh, respond to those as well. The idea is to make this as interactive as possible as a free service from the Startup Council to help you figure out your startup challenges and uh, get you to your goals faster, uh, really about accelerating the ecosystem worldwide so that more entrepreneurs can find success by helping make their dent in the universe, hopefully uh, make other people's lives better and make some money while doing it, uh, doing well by doing good, doing good by doing well, one of those things, right, that people talk about. So if that sounds like you, we're happy to see you and uh, looking forward to this hour together so that we can uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. So if you are here to, for the first time, uh, let me introduce myself. Uh, first, let's just uh, invite your friends. You can go over to youtube.com slash Scott Fox. That's me. That's the easiest place to find us, youtube.com slash Scott Fox. And if you comment, like I said, on LinkedIn or YouTube, your questions will show up in this chat room over here. Nope, over there, which will get going in a minute here, I'm sure. So um, there we go. There's Yvonne from uh, checking in on YouTube, it looks like. Hello, Yvonne. Nice to meet you. And if you have questions, let's get the chat room going. And uh, let me put that link back on there. The best ca- uh, questions are, of course, those that are live with real people. <laughs> so if you want to come on camera, you can visit that link there. Turn on your webcam, and I'll bring you in here right next to me. And uh, we'll have a nice little chat. And like I said, in a few minutes, we'll have a special guest, Joe Daniels, who's an expert startup attorney. He's raised lots and lots of money for startups all over the world, and he'll be joining us for some Q&A as well. So you'll have two experts for free. Uh, pretty good deal there. So let's uh, – oh, so let me tell you who I am why we do this. So I'm Scott Fox. And I'm a serial Internet entrepreneur. I have founded a bunch of uh, little companies that you probably haven't heard of, uh, maybe a couple that you have heard of. Um, these days I'm mostly a startup in, uh, investor. I'm a an very active angel investor. I'm involved in uh, dozens of companies as well as several funds as a limited partner. I've spent many years uh, learning about the Internet and business strategy, and these days I try to spend a lot of my time giving back to the community through um, local operations here in Orange County, California, and in Southern California, as well as online. Now, uh, one of the things, the good things, a few good things about the pandemic is that it pushed us all more online, so we're doing this worldwide uh, through the Internet uh, to see if we can help more of you. Um, Many of you might be here because of my books, which are over here. Uh, these are my books. I've written these three books in the middle are all by me in English. The rest are foreign translations, all about how people can find their own way on the Internet and start businesses. So if you haven't read any of those, uh, Click Millionaires is the most recent one, and you can get that on Amazon or anywhere uh, finer books are sold, as they say. Uh, I'd be happy to have you check that out. Uh, and if you want to know more about me, you can go to scottfox.com, or there's a page on Wikipedia about me, too. 
So a couple quick disclaimers. Uh, I do have a law degree, uh, but I am not giving legal advice here. This is also not investment advice or financial advice of any sort. It's purely for entertainment, and I'm sure that applies to my friend Joe, who is a practicing attorney. Uh, but also, uh, this is really up to you to do uh, your own uh, research and consult professional counsel if you uh, get involved in the crazy things that we're going to talk about today. So why I do this is because I believe in you. And I don't even know most of you, but I think that the world will be a better place if more entrepreneurs make the effort to make the world a better place. Uh, the arithmetic seems pretty obvious to me. The world needs a lot of help. And I love hanging out with startup people because we tend to be optimistic and creative and we actually get shit done. So if that sounds like you, you're in the right place. And I hope you'll invite your friends. Sorry, let me, uh, let me, uh, let's see. Looks like you guys are figuring out the commenting, right? Let me add this one here. Uh, oh, please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow on LinkedIn on the Startup Council page. Uh, appreciate your getting the word out here. And you can join our email list. These are all our little, our little commercials here. I just got to get these out of the way. Uh, this session is being recorded, so don't say anything stupid. Um, and what else? Uh, there we go. Okay. So if that's helpful, uh, we're going to get started here. And I guess we'll start with um, in the uh, chat room because... Let's see here. Check my notes. Yeah, okay. So here we go. So let's get started in the chat room. Um, I would love to have some of you come on camera. It's just much more interesting. We all get tired of um, reading texts all day. So let me put that on-camera link back on. And if any of you show up over there that have a good question, then we will talk about that. Okay, so let me go over to the chat room here. You guys are doing a great job filling up the chat room. So uh, let's see here. How do I... Let me move this so I can see it. I got this camera in my face. No, sorry, hang on one more second here. There we go. Okay, well, let's start with, uh, you guys are filling up the chat room. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody being here, by the way. Um, this is my lunch time, so we're having lunch together. Okay, um, Yvonne, you're welcome. Miguel, you're welcome. Rebecca. Do you have any recommendations for where to research equity, including distributing it to new employees, negotiating with investors, et cetera? Yes. Uh, I've written books about this stuff. Um, the, uh, you need to be a little more specific about researching equity. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap here and guess that you're talking about raising money for a startup and that you like venture capital style, and then you want uh, distributing it to new employees. That means stock option plans and then negotiating with investors. These are all perfect questions. I'm happy to talk about this all day. Uh, we'll also have Joe here in a few minutes, so I'll give an overview, and then we can get more specific with him, I guess. Um, that's three questions in one, really. Uh, raising, uh, researching equity, I think what you mean is finding investors, if that's the case. Uh, then Google is your friend. Um, LinkedIn is your friend. Um, there's a service called StartupInvestorsDirectory.com uh, that is uh, uh, something that I built, actually, that we're just getting started. You can take a peek at that. It's not quite ready yet. Um, and distributing it to new employees, well, then you're talking about stock options or really how to share it among founders. Uh, the best methodology that I've found, and there are a lot of them, again, Google is your friend, uh, but there's a system called slicing the pie. I'm going to duck off camera here for a second and grab this because I get this question a lot. Um, this is slicing the pie. It's a website, too. The slicing the pie handbook uh, is a useful way. It's literally titled Perfect Equity Splits for Bootstrapped Startups. I don't know if you can see that there. And the author is Mike Moyer. So that might be helpful to you. I've also gotten referrals to uh, comparably.com, comparably.com, um, where you can um, 
uh, you have to sign up for an account there, but I think they have a free level, and that can help you set up equity splits with your um, partners. Uh, that can be real useful. Um, I was also going to recommend that if any of you are starting companies where you're trying to issue equity, that you should um, look at services like Carta or CapBase.com. Uh, I'm an investor in CapBase, full disclosure. But these are services that help you track who you've issued shares to, who owns how much, and especially um, as that gets more complicated in future rounds, there's dilution to be tracked and things like that. And I would recommend checking out some things like that. And also, by the way, folks who are watching, you can um, answer questions. You can answer each other in the chat room as well, <laughs> if that's helpful. I'm sure some of you know as much or more about this than I do, but maybe Rebecca would be uh, pleased to hear from you if you have good ideas about how to do this as well. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, let's go. And actually, your third question there, Rebecca, you got your money's worth here. Negotiating with new investors. Why don't we table that until uh, Joe shows up? Uh, because that's something he does for a living. Uh, and I do it as well, but I do it more like for myself. He's the, the attorney who specializes in that stuff. So that could be helpful for you. Hi, Sandy. Nice to see you. Uh, the link is on the screen right now. Uh, if you're looking to join us on camera. Hello, Scott. Yvonne says, I'm an ed tech founder from the UK, interested in knowing how to find joint venture partnerships as well as ed tech angel investors. Okay, um, well, I don't mean to make this sound easy because it's not, but Google, right? How else are you gonna find anything these days? Um, I would be real specific, search for ed tech angel investors. Um, that's where you'd start and that might get you some big names. The trick though is Yvonne and everybody, um, a lot of founders waste a lot of time by uh, pitching people who aren't really a good fit. So I know you were just fitting that into this little box, right, uh, Yvonne? Um, but the real question is, how do you find ed tech investors who invest in your kind of ed tech at the stage of development that your company is, like your pre-seed, pre-product, you're in market, you have revenue, you don't have revenue, you're series A, you know, you're big, you're small. Um, you know, how do you find ed tech investors who are your size, your shape, maybe your country, uh, your currency, right, all these things, and who maybe also have connections in the specific target you have, right? Because ed tech can mean a lot of things, right? It can mean college level, university level. It can mean uh, a preschool, a K through 12. It can mean uh, uh, like career training things that are not traditional academia. And that means a lot of things, right? And there are specialists in all these things. Um, the good or the bad of it is that the venture world is so large now that there are uh, specialists in everything. And there are definitely specialists in ed tech as well. Here's the hack though. This is what I would do is I would go and find the companies that look most like you or that you would like your company to be like when it grows up and figure out who their investors were and then work backwards, right? So find a company that you think is impressive and then figure out who their founders were and who their investors were and contact them, uh, particularly the founders. Sometimes they'll have sympathy for you if you're in the same area. And here's this double secret hack. I answered your first question too. How do you find joint venture partnerships? same way, right? Find companies that you want to work with, find who the founders are, and especially if they're in ed tech, you might be able to partner with each other, presuming you're not competitive, of course, right? You've got to find people that are complementary. Um, but figuring out who's already done this is the best way to start because they've already committed, already have expertise, already have relationships. And ideally, you find somebody who's a couple levels above you so that then you can kind of level up and, uh, you know, help them, let them help you and you hopefully can help them as well so that it's neutral. All right, I hope that's helpful for you. Okay, so uh, make you guys a deal. Somebody's got to come on camera here. I'm not going to talk into the air all day, all right? Somebody uh, put it on the screen. So let's go. Uh, this is not a, you, you want to watch TV, just go watch TV. 
<laughs> okay. Um, hello, Joshua. Nice to meet you. Uh, okay. Um, how early should you start raising? Okay, Miguel, that's a great question. Uh, the answer is immediately, always. Um, always be fundraising. But that doesn't mean walking around with your hat in your hand, you know, begging for money. What you've got to do, and this is a key thing one of my mentors taught me, before you go fundraising, you have to go friend-raising. Friend-raising, okay? So you've got to go make friends. Because who gets invested in? People that get invested in are those that people with money like and know and trust. So you can't show up the day you need a million dollars and expect somebody to write you a check if you've never met them before. So the day to start fundraising is now. You go out and start making friends. And I've said this many times. If, by the way, you know, there's a lot of episodes of this show online. I've been on YouTube on and off for 15 years. <laughs> so if you think this is helpful, uh, go look at the archives as well. Um, and I'll, by the way, we run the, there's a Masterminds workshops that I run once a month. The next one will be, I think, March 9th where we do this more interactive, everybody turns on their Zoom camera, uh, and we all talk and help each other. If that sounds useful to you, you can, um, it hasn't posted yet, but mark your calendar. We'll make sure you actually, make sure you get on our email list. Let me put that up. Make sure you get on our email list, and you'll hear about all these things, okay? Startupeventnews.com, um, and that's a form. Just get on our email list, right? You can unsubscribe anytime. It's free, et cetera. Uh, okay, so the friends are the key to the whole thing. Most people I don't know. I, and I was this way too as a first-time founder. It was like I didn't have the money. The people that had the money were kind of scary, right? It was like a bank or something, you know, and like so you put on your best suit and you go and you try to impress them and then you cross your fingers, right? That's like really old school and frankly stupid, um, especially at the early stages of startup investing. Most of the people are, um, are angel investors like me. We're actually interested in this stuff. We do this actually kind of for fun, right? And we want to meet people with interesting ideas and we want to help. And, and yeah, we might have some money too, but what we're really looking for is to, to expand our network and our, our own activities uh, and help people at the same time. So that means you've got to find people that you want to hang out with. Uh, and that's who will write your first checks. Uh, the idea that you can kind of put a business plan together and then walk into some building and, and walk out with a check uh, is kind of the old school version of like you're opening a restaurant in the 1950s and you need a a construction loan, you know, to build the building or something. That, that's old school. Um, fundraising is really about friends. Um, and, and they don't have to be your best friends, but they have to be people that see your vision and appreciate your, um, your desire to change the world in whatever small or large way you have on board and that believe in you. And believe me, you want them to be friends because these people are going to be in your business. That's their business is to be in your business, right? So um, you really want to find people that you'd be happy to hang out with uh, and have a beer because, you know, no startup is easy and you don't want those people on your ass if you don't like them from the start. It's going to be, it's going to be hellish, right? So friend raising before fundraising. That's my uh, suggestion for that. Um, let's see here. So, okay, plenty of, uh, um, okay, plenty of questions here. Great. This is great. Uh, you're all feeling very shy today, though. What are we going to do about that? Well, Joe should be here soon, and we'll put him on camera if you guys are too shy to do it. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the first priority for answering questions is if you want to jump the queue, at this point we have so many questions, I'm not, no way I'm going to get to even half of them. Um, come on camera, and then we'll talk, all right? That's how you get to the top of the, top of the front of the line, okay? Um, so let me just back up here again. So we've got uh, Yvonne and Miguel and Sandy took care of that. And I said hi to Josh. And uh, 
And there's Mr. LinkedIn user. Welcome, LinkedIn user. Nice to meet you. Um, let's see, NWA for Sunday. Hello, Scott. I need your book or books from other authors. Please connect to connect me with online business. Cool. Well, go to Amazon.com. That, that's how it works. Um, you know, people often ask me, can I have a free copy? I can't even give you free copies because my publishers own those books, right? They, they, I don't own them. They're owned by my publisher. Um, so, uh, but they're only, I think, $9.99 on Kindle or something. I don't know, something like that. But um, like, I literally don't own the rights to the PDFs, right? Because I, uh, it's a, it's a publishing deal. Okay. Uh, uh, there's Sandy. Okay, Sandy's posting about his thing. Great. You're still working on that knowledge base, Sandy. That's good. Uh, Miguel, how early we covered that? Hello, Dr. Denise. Nice to see you. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you, Miguel says, what do you look for in a crowded space like blockchain if the company is pre-revenue? Okay, good question, Miguel. So what do, and this is putting, I'm wearing my investor hat here, I presume. What does an investor look for in a company that's pre-revenue? This is a, a great question, Miguel. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because it applies not just in blockchain, right? Uh, every field that is worth doing is crowded. And honestly, if you think your field isn't crowded, uh, you're wrong because investors aren't looking at the way you define your company. They're looking at your company versus existing alternatives, right? Almost, there's almost no green field left or blue ocean, as they say, where you can start something that's entirely new that has no analogs or comparables at all. It just doesn't really exist anymore. Um, so if that's uh, what you're thinking, you need to reevaluate because investors, regardless of what you say, will look at your company and say, and they will find three or five or 10 other companies that in their minds are pretty close. And then they will start comparing you, whether you like it or not, <laughs> right? That's just the, the reality. So what does an investor look for in a space like this um, or in any space uh, if, it, if it's pre-revenue? Well, what we're really looking for is a combination of things. And, and there's lots of articles about this online, but um, and let me give you some of the, the, the highlights. Uh, they are a good team, a good idea, a large market, a very large market. I'll tell you just real quick, venture capital style investors are not interested in a company that's only going to make $10 million or even $100 million sometimes. We need really, really big markets because we put a lot of money in over time and the shares get diluted. So you need huge markets to make payback for a venture capital style investment. Okay, so I said uh, team, idea, Huge market timing, right? What's the timing for this, right? If you tried to do a blockchain startup 10 years ago, it would have been tough. You might be rich by now, but it would have been tough because nobody knew what you're talking about. Um, you know, if you, uh, like, if you tried a blockchain startup maybe in 10 years from now, in the future, it might be too late, right? So timing is really critical, especially with technology, because as we all know, technology rides adoption curves, and you want to be on the, you want to surf the wave, not get crushed by it or miss it. Um, those are the kind of things which are all just what you would have thought, right? But here's the trick. What investors are really looking for is all those things plus grit. We want to know that you're the gal or the guy who's going to do this. That's, and it's really hard to quantify. So you can read 100 articles online that they give you this checklist. But the fact is we want to meet somebody and look them in the eye and say, okay, I'm going to give you money that I earned. I was not born rich, right, I, at all, right? I've, every penny I've had, I have made. So if I'm going to give some of that to you, I want to have full confidence that you are going to kick some ass and make it happen and give me my money back, hopefully times 10, if not times 100, right? That's what it comes down to. It's a confidence game, not in a, in a con man, like, 
ripoffs is. Well, maybe <laughs> uh, Theranos, right? Um, but it's it's about confidence in the whole package. So people all the time want to nitpick this and say, you know, like my pro forma projections were just like this, or I did all the things on the checklist. Okay, but you didn't convince me, right? It's sales. So any founder that thinks that they're not in sales is kidding themselves. You are in sales. That's what you do. You might be selling. You're not selling cars or socks or coffee at Starbucks, but you are selling the company and you as the person to make it happen. And that's really what we're looking for. And it's a unique combination. That's why you've probably all seen statistics like, um, you know, only less than, I don't know, uh, two or three companies out of 100 are lucky to get funded because 90 plus percent of them don't have all those things at once. And that's what you need. You need all those things at once. And there's no real way to write a prescription for that. Okay, so let me pause for a second because our friend Joe, uh, Daniel, is supposed to be here by now. And I'm wondering if he's trying to track, knock on my door here somewhere in one of these other channels I have. Um, let's see, Kamel tried to join, but waiting for the host. Okay, well, sorry, Kamel, if you're watching, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You are, uh, okay, well, I don't see Joe, so I don't know where our friend Joe is. Uh, I apologize for that. Um, not sure why that is. Um, let me think what the best thing to do here is. Let me, uh, just emailed him about it yesterday and he confirmed this morning. So maybe he's just running late. Let's give him another couple minutes. But I apologize. If he doesn't show up, we'll, we'll try again next month. Okay. Uh, as you can tell, I got plenty to say if that's helpful anyway. Okay. Um, let's see. Yvonne says, I did a lot of Googling already, uh, but I hit the nail on the head. Okay. Awesome. Good. Okay. Um, let's see. Amazing experience already. Well, thank you, Joshua. Um, Crunchbase, Miriam. Good. Good suggestion, Yvonne. Yes. Crunchbase is a good, um, resource for finding investors. It's not free. Uh, any good resource probably isn't free. PitchBook is another one. PitchBook. You could look at that. This is, again, along the lines of finding investors. Uh, Chris says, can you advise how to select a patent attorney? Chris, you've been here before. Your name sounds familiar. Chris Pease. Um, okay, so how about this? Uh, somebody turn on your camera. I'm getting, this is not fun. I want to talk to somebody. Uh, Gerard, nice to see you. I saw your email. Let's see. Well, Gerard, I, thought, I think you sent me an email or something the other day that said you guys had raised some money, which is fantastic, like a million bucks, I think, which is super. Very, very good news. Uh, everybody congratulate Gerard. Um, let's see, waiting for host. Oh, you tried to get on camera. Okay, thank you. So what am I doing wrong? Maybe it's me, guys. Okay, hold on. Okay, maybe it's, what am I doing wrong here? Waiting for host. This shouldn't be that hard. Cannot turn on my camera. Okay, that, okay that's fine, Sandy. Waiting for host. I need help. Ah, oh, guys, I'm sorry. This is so much more interesting when we have people talking. Um, but we've done this many times before. I don't know what changed. No, that's not going to do it. Hang on, hang on just a second here. Captions, graphics. Must be a settings thing I'm missing here. I want to end the stream, right? We don't, we're just getting going here. Live. Let's see. Bunch of you watching on YouTube. I can see that. Great. Is this not connected? Is anybody here on LinkedIn? Yeah, Rebecca, you are, right? So that seems to be connected as well. Um, let me put the uh, on-camera link up again and see if that, uh, if somebody can give me real specific instructions as to what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I'll try again. Um, let's see. Maybe I can do this. Invite guests. Okay, how about this? I'm going to try posting this link in the chat. 
I think this is the on-camera link. See if that, can you guys see that? I don't know if you can. Maybe that will add a source of settings. Okay. Automatic share screen, show graphics. That's not it. Audio, video. Okay, video. No, that's fine. Sorry, guys. Hang on one second. This is, no, I don't need that. Okay, I don't know what's going on here. This is annoying. But I put that in there in the chat room. Can you guys see that? Um, let me go back to the chat. Yeah, I put it literally in there. So somebody click on that link and see what happens. Uh, that's different than the one that I posted as a caption. Okay, so I'll get back to you answering your questions here. Yeah, you guys saying you would come. Thank you. Uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, look at that. Look. Ah. Okay, so I guess the problem was there must be a referral that bit.ly link was not working. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me just write that down so I can fix the bit.ly link. Okay, that was pretty lame, right? These internets, man. I think this internet thing's just a fad. It's going to go away. I'm joking, obviously. Okay, let me, hold on. Let me send it. Oh, there's Joe. He's just, he's in the room waiting. Okay, I don't know what room this is you guys are in, but let me send him that link and hopefully that'll work for him too. All right, technical difficulties. Man, okay. So, okay. Um, all right, well, we're just going to go live here. We're going to Curtis. Okay, Curtis, I, don't, I hope you have a good question. <laughs> You're going to mute your other streams. Here comes. Uh, there we go. Look, there's a person. See, I'm not alone. Nice to meet you, Curtis. Can you talk? No, he looks confused. Ah, right, okay. Okay. Well, you're going to get a terrible echo there. I'm going to have to mute you again. Let's hold on that until, um, until Joe shows up, all right? And then the three of us can do it. I think that'll get you a better answer. Okay. What else we got here? Uh, oh, that was Chris. Sorry. That was Chris Pease, right? Okay. All right, Curtis, look at that. There's, a, there's another right person. There. Cool. Hey, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, what, did you have a question? What's your question? We'll try to do another one here before Joe shows up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about doing a space startup. Okay. And I, I'm here in Orange County. Oh, great. So I wanted to know if uh, your uh, only resources that uh, might be good for me to use. I, I was looking at the, the Founders Institute this year. They're doing the space tech. But uh, it doesn't start till May, so I'd have some time to look around, right? And, uh, so yeah, that's that's what I was wondering. Okay. So um, I don't. So let's let's hold on. Let me. Sorry, I got a lot a lot of windows open here now. All of a sudden. Uh, okay. So space. So I don't know much about space in particular. Uh, I could give you resources in general. Um, let me just think. Space. Um, are you near Long Beach? Which end of Orange Orange County are you in? Um, I'm in Irvine, but okay. yeah. Well, there's a new Excel, there's a new accelerator called the Long Beach Accelerator, uh, which is g getting active. They just announced the other day that they had, uh, had some cool new program with like half a million dollar grants. And I don't know that they do space in particular, uh, but you know, Rocket Lab is up there and SpaceX nearby. So maybe more than Irvine, right? Um, so that might be worth a shot. You could just check that out. Um, Andrea is the director. You could use my name if that's helpful. Um, uh, but I don't know space specifically. But in general, what I would do is what I was talking about with Miguel a few minutes ago, which is get out to events and um, and mingle with people as much as you can because you don't know who's who, right? 
Um, space is still a, an early stage, uh, well, that's not quite fair. It's not early stage anymore, but if you're early stage, you need to find that match, the Goldilocks match, right? Not too big, not too small, not too far away, not too close, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, what kind of other research have you done already? Well, um, I did, uh, I am looking at the uh, Cal State Fullerton incubator. Okay. And um, the OC Startup Council, of course, right. they have a lot of events. So yep. uh, with COVID, you know, I haven't been too active. I, I used to go every now and then, but uh, I've been looking at that to try to see if, uh, you know, if there's something live that I can attend or yeah. even an online <clears throat> event. Yeah, okay. Well, the, the uh, you know, the Orange County Startup Council is me. Right. That's I run that. Um, so, um, yes, we're all trying to get back to events. Everybody wants to start having more events. The COVID has crushed everything. Right. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, don't know if you're on the call yet, but March 9th is going to be our next masterminds meeting, which is these workshops that I talk about. Um, on, uh, we've traditionally done those in person, but they're now on Zoom. So you'd be invited to come to that. And the purpose of those is to network and make friends and start building the kind of relationships that I know a lot of first-time entrepreneurs don't have. So uh, I would look at that. Um, I would join the, the newsletter list. It sounds like you might already be on our list. Um, and, yeah. and just watch. I mean, there's new stuff happening. And I, I think I'm crossing my fingers that there's going to be more of all of that. Um, so I'm sorry I don't have a more specific answer, but if any of you who are watching um, have suggestions uh, for Curtis about space uh, space startups, please, um, you know, uh, answer him in the chat room or follow up with him via LinkedIn. And I will keep thinking nice about to it, too. You. Yeah, nice to meet you. Go Orange, go Orange County. <laughs> All right, let me just see if um, Joe has shown up here. Oh, there's Joe. Excellent. Okay, there's Joe, our special guest. Okay, nice to meet you, Curtis. All right, and this is our guest, Joe. So, hey, Joe, sorry about that. There was something wrong with the, the link, you know, that Internet thing, whatever. Um, sorry to keep you waiting. All right, everybody. So this is, this is a guy who actually knows a bunch of this stuff, um, even more than me, and he does this full time. Uh, he's got like a black belt in uh, venture capital financing, um, and so he was going to join us today to help with some uh, questions. I know we have one question already, Joe, about how to find a patent attorney which I'm sure you'd have some insight on. Uh, and then I can, if you start talking, I can scroll through the chat room and uh, find a few others. Um, but uh, first of all, um, Joe, thanks for being here. And maybe you can introduce yourself to, to the crowd. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm Joe Daniels. I'm, a, I'm the chair uh, of our merging company and venture capital practice in the Carter English, which is a full service law firm, uh, you know, about 175 years old. And, 400 lawyers, and, and uh, you know, we have, we're, we're basically have a department for everything in business needs, like real estate, and IP, um, uh, litigation, um, and, and, you know, anything that a, a company would need. Uh, I'm in the corporate department, so that means I focus on formation, financing, growth, and exit. And what that means is helping the company form up the correct way, raising successful rounds of angel and venture capital financing, acting as the outside general counsel to help them uh, manage their costs of you know, other, you know, very expensive lawyers within a big law firm and, you know, and getting that cost, you know, sort of effective. And then helping uh, companies grow for acquisitions and partnerships and commercial agreements at every time and then helping them exit through M&A or IPO where, you know, highly ranked in the pitch book in, in terms of the number of angel and venture deals we do every year. For example, we did about 187 deals for over $8 billion in, uh, in 2021 and we're on the same clip. You know, in 2022. 
um, you know, we're going to do more probably. And um, I've been doing this for 26 years. I come from Orange County, Huntington um, Beach specifically. And, you know, I went to UC Berkeley at USC. And I started out, I joined the group that did Netscape Public and sold it to AOL in the Silicon Valley. And I've done about 25 IPOs and follow-ons, scores of M&A deals, thousands of financings. And I focused on hyper inspectors like tech and life sciences. So there you go. This is a guy who's seen a few things. <laughs> um, so uh, Joe bills at a very high rate per hour, so we're lucky to have him here. Uh, but I should say they offer nice deals for early stage startups who need a hand as well. So, uh, but we appreciate him being here. So let's turn on, uh, Chris, I'm going to turn on your camera again, and uh, we'll talk about um, uh, your question about patent attorneys. And if other folks specifically, if you have uh, legal questions, we're going to focus on that uh, for the rest of the hour, if you don't mind. So uh, Joe, meet Chris. Chris, meet Joe. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, Joe. Yeah, thanks. This is Chris. Uh, so I'm interested in, in uh, patenting some ideas within the world of ad tech. And how, how, do, how do you approach basically kind of interviewing uh, attorneys to see if, it's a, see if they operate in the space appropriately, kind of without giving too much away about your idea before it's protected? Well, I wouldn't worry too much about talking to attorneys about your ideas. Because they have the highest duty of confidentiality, and you know, if they were if they were ever to be found out that they had disclosed something that someone who was like entertaining, potentially hiring them, um, uh, and, you know, had told them in an interview or something like that, then that would be the end of their career, right? They'd be disbarred. Which is the ramifications are so serious, we never do it. Okay. Um, and as soon as you uh, are talking to somebody with a view to potentially hiring them as an attorney. That duty of confidentiality kicks in. But that means that how do you choose, right? So in my opinion, and I've been doing this 26 years, right? Um, I think that you should pay patent prosecutors inside one of the top uh, 20 firms that focus on emerging company and venture capital. And the reason why is because, um, again, you're going to end in to go through a corporate person. Anyway, <laughs> that's the, I'm biased. But, and the reason why I think that is because I can, they know, if the patent prosecutor knows it's, it's coming from me as a referral, that means there, there could be a lot more referrals because all I do is tech companies and life science companies, right? It's an infinite chain of patent prosecution. Yep. So that means they're going to not churn and burn you, right? They're not going to try to get you to file as many patents as, um, as, as, as they can, you know, think up for you to file. Right. Uh, because, you know, it's like you're trusting the mechanic to, to, uh, to decide how many, you know, things need to be serviced, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a black box of paint. So uh, if you go to a boutique, patent shop, that's all they do is patent prosecution and litigation. So there's nobody there that they're beholden to, to accountable to, uh, to treat the client right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So that's a good start and good advice for sure. Um, okay. So who else? Uh, let's see. Beverly or uh, other folks in the uh, waiting room there, if you have a legal question, Zubin, I see your, your message there. That's, I, I don't, that doesn't sound like a question. So if you have a question for Joe, let me know. Uh, if you can put it in the chat room of the video, uh, the private chat there, so I can help screen a little bit, that would be appreciated, just so we know I can run the show here effectively. Um, okay, so there was another question, Joe. Let me find that there in the chat. Um, sorry. Okay, so this is a general one, but Joe, Joe, what, what are your opinions on incubators and accelerators and the equity that they take in exchange for services? Or do you have any advice in that direction? 
Well, I mean, so, so if you look at, uh, for example, white, if you get into white comedy here, I don't know anything about the quality. And, and you know, people, I've, I've interviewed people who were my clients who went through it, um, and they say, yeah, the mentors are good, and the, and the advice is, is uh, good, and sometimes they don't like the advice. But the main thing that you get out of that is you get sort of a brand, a stamp of approval because you've gone through the filtering process of their applications process. They take in thousands of applications, and they narrow it down to 10 or 20, and then you get the investment dollars. Um, and then you go and you go uh, do a demo day, and uh, you get introduced to, you know, hundreds of investors. And that usually leads to some traction um, towards, you know, if not, if not actual checks, then learning how to, um, you know, restructure your pitch so that you can go out and get checks from appropriate investors. So to me, it's a good, it's a good way to get yourself ready for that. And you can't discount the, the ability of accelerators to help you refine your pitch, both in the, you know, the oral format and the slides, the, you know, the slides in the deck, because, you know, that's a good, that's usually a big part of every, you know, accelerators program. But, you know, there's a lot of accelerators. Why is not, they're not all the same as my Combinator. And you can, there are rankings by um, uh, percentage of cohorts that raise money within, say, 12 months um, after the, the graduation. Um, and that may help you decide, you know, between different accelerators. There you go. That's good stuff. Let's bring some other folks in and let's, I'm um, having trouble doing five things at once. So let's have these folks come in and I want to just have you each just tell us out loud. Hi guys. So this is uh, Various and Beverly and Zubin. So you can each uh, tell us what, what legal question, you have a legal question? I'm just trying to screen here in real time. So how about first, uh, Beverly, what would you, what did you want to talk about today? Um, yes, my, let's see, yes. My product is targeted to the durable medical equipment market. Okay. So what's what? Not not your whole pitch. But I'm just trying to screen. So do you have a legal question? I do. Okay. So in order to figure out how I need to work with the sales people that are my target audience, uh -huh. I wanted to contact them and ask, what do I need to know in order to work with you to become a part of your product portfolio? Okay. Hold your hold that thought. Hold hold hold, hold that thought. Let's let's hear what various wants to talk about. I'm just trying to prioritize here, guys. So, Various, what, what did you have on your mind? Um, question related to crowdfunding. When, cool. Uh, That's perfect. That's great. We'll get there. I love that. We'll get there. Okay. Zubin, how about you? What did you want to talk about? No, I don't really have a, a question regarding okay. the legal issues, but uh, the service that we normally provide is what I was here to offer about the software development stuff. Okay. Super. I honestly don't have a legal question for that. Fair enough. Thank you for being being candid. <laughs> You're welcome to talk about that in the chat room. All right. So we're going to we'll move Zubin off camera, and then let's go to Beverly. Sorry to cut you off, Beverly. Just trying to juggle you know, herd the cats here. So, and then Various, we'll come back to you too and talk about crowdfunding, okay? All right, Beverly, all yours. How do you present your product when the people that you're presenting to will not sign an NDA? I've talked with several durable medical equipment suppliers trying to figure out, not, not make a market pitch, not make a product pitch, but just try to find out what do I need to know so that when I'm ready to pitch to you, I have all my ducks in a row. Yes. Yeah. And I've been told they will not sign an NDA. Yeah, well, the short answer is is that you only you want to disclose to them everything that's publicly available about your company and nothing. You don't want, if you can, if you can still get them over the line without disclosing anything that is not um, either confidential or a trade secret, 
You definitely don't want to disclose any trade secrets about an NDA. And people sign all NDAs all the time, and they still don't tell people the trade secrets. But there's that stuff in the middle, you know, that's not public, it's not on your website, and not, can't be found out by buying your product or service. And, and it's not a trade secret. That stuff in the middle there, confidential things that maybe you wouldn't want to know about, and you have to choose which of those you talk about. And it comes down to the reality that you got to share something, and it's it's like dating, right? You got to share a little, and they share a little back, and you got to build some trust. The legal um, documents are the last resort, right? Ideally, right? I think Joe would agree. You you don't want to be relying on the, what the things you sign. You want to be relying on a relationship where you really trust the person. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you might rely upon a Vladimir Putin technique and try to use a little misinformation, you know, just to admit, <laughs> in fact. Right. Right. Yeah. I have a second question too. I'll wait my turn, but I have a second question too about provisional patents. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hang on to that. Thank you for recognizing those other folks here. Let's bring Various is, uh, was waiting nicely. Thank you, Various. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your crowdfunding question. Okay. So I'm building a product for local startup ecosystem and moving into a phase where I've actually funded a lot of it out of my pocket, but I want to start like a crowdfunding campaign, not equity crowdfunding, but offering perks nonetheless with the platform that I'm building, what legal issues could could I come by doing something like that? Yeah. Memberships, lifetime, like, you know, uh, marketing type things related to the platform. Uh, just a bunch of lists of different perk levels that I'm doing. I've done this before, but for a nonprofit organization doing like WordCamp conferences, you know, uh, WordPress conferences. And I've done this before, but they, you know, their, their structure is more of, uh, right now, I think it's public benefit corporation uh, structure for what I'm doing right now is just so proprietary. So uh, I'm offering uh, pretty much services in exchange for marketing type services in exchange for uh, sponsor levels. Okay. So are you talking about doing this through like Kickstarter or which? No, um, build, building out the entire platform kind of, kind of on a, a separate website, you know. Uh, it's a platform, Start Empire Wire, it's a website. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even if you're doing it that way, then what's key is your terms of use and privacy policy. Right? You just have to make sure that that um, disclaims liability, you know, um, does not have you indemnify for anything, has them indemnify for everything, you know, and most people don't even read it. And they, and they just, you know, start clicking through and um, uh, they, they fund these uh, projects in exchange for perks and then there's nothing they can do if it doesn't turn out in their favor. Okay, okay. And you want to think about, you know, you got to make sure it's not a sweepstakes. Um, or subject to you know, gambling and sweepstakes regulation. What, what is the the difference? Well, you probably you probably know what gambling is. I mean, sweepstakes is where, yeah. I mean, you um, you um, you know, just like a like a participate in a uh, like the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, right? Okay. You have to go through effort of putting postage on um, some mail and, and mailing stuff in. Right. right. Okay. No, that's no, it's not a sweepstakes for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Good. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Nice to meet you. All right. Nice we're going to bring on uh, Mark and Sam. 
have looked like they can you guys just give us a preview of what you want to talk about as well and we're not the whole pitch just a quick version how about first yeah, let, me, uh, let me go go ahead mark yeah okay i have a residential stove top fire suppression system okay. works really good battery operated mounts over the uh, stove top right underneath the microwave or a vent fan and activates on temperature and, uh, okay, but what's your what's your question? What's your I just need to know. The question is, we have patents in the U.S., in Europe, and in Canada. Okay, hold that thought. Hold that. Sorry, hold that thought. I'm just trying to figure out who's who here. Okay, just hang on. So, Sam. I'm on. Yep. Thank you, Sam. You, what's your question about? And this book mentions uh, when negotiating with an attorney that they should be willing to cap their fees up front. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Okay. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, those guys are in the middle of the Rockies, and um, they basically um, they have something in for uh, big law firms, except for Cooley, and uh, they they like the cap. They like everybody to cap their fees in super low amounts. But basically, what they're doing is they're talking the investor side book, which is you know because usually they're they're venture funds, and they they submit term sheets to um, uh, to companies, and so the, their uh, preferred reaction by the company is to not negotiate it, just sign, or negotiate very little, that's even, that's is slightly worse for them, or if it's going to be heavily negotiated, um, you know, eventually give in, right? And then for, for the documents to be drafted by company counsel exactly consistent with that investor favorable term sheet, sign and close. But in each of the stages when you're negotiating the term sheet or negotiating the, the transaction documents, investors counsel can um, and, and the investors can try to take advantage of the founder and they, and they need good counsel. So, you know, we, we tend to uh, provide, you know, reasonable estimates for like note and safe financing. Like, I mean, we can draft a note, convertible note or a safe for like 200 bucks, right? <laughs> it's, it's just a form and uh, depending upon what the terms are. And if, if the investors don't have any comments, then that's it. You know, pretty low, pretty low fees. But if they do have comments, then you know, we usually charge by the hour. Um, but you know, for and, and for like C preferred financing, it's like uh, 5k to draft, 15k to, to close. If the investors council doesn't give you a hard time, but it can be as high as 50 grand if they give you a hard time. It's all it all depends on the investor and the investors council how how much diligence they do, how much trench warfare they play, they play on the document. Joe, Joe, would it be fair to say then what, what you're, it sounds like what you're saying is cap fees are a great idea, but that assumes that nobody is going to have to do anything extra. There isn't going to be any negotiation. Um, and that wouldn't be right. fair to the firm if you do a cap fee and then it turns out you have 47 days worth of changes in back and forth. Is that kind well, of? Well, right. And, and since the investors usually are the ones who first propose the terms, um, they, they prefer a situation where there is no negotiation. That's why they want the cap flow so that so that the lawyers will work within that very small amount of scope and therefore not negotiate the, the terms that are favorable to the investor, giving them a better deal. That's that's what I mean about them talking to their book. Right. That makes sense then? Yeah. The, the real world collides with theory, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is that the prices they they quote they said it should be about five k for like an early seed draft. So a lot of their stuff was correct. I was just curious about the cap, uh, but that makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right. Well, nice to meet you. Join the email list cool. and hope we'll see you again. Okay, Mark, you're up. Let's hear some more about your international patents. Yeah, we've got patents, you know, approved in the U.S. Patent number. We've gone to Europe and Canada. 
But like Japan or Korea, they want like $10,000 for every country. Should you pay the money and keep going, or are you protected with just a U.S. patent? Well, I mean, I probably have to, I mean, you want to talk to a patent prosecutor that you trust about the answer to that question, um, and I'm not one. But what I would say is that you want to avoid the trap, the inventor's trap, of spending a gigantic amount of money on patents and, inter and international patents without a path to commercialization to, so to pay for that or to, to make money off of all that. Otherwise, it's avoid, right? Well, we we're on our way. I mean, we've got pre-orders of 88,000 units, um, cost of $60 to make. We can sell for 200 up to $299. Uh, so we, we think we have a really good market because we can stop half of all residential fires. But is it necessary to go right now with all the countries, or do we have a time? Well, I mean, so the, no, practically, then that's something that that prosecutor can talk, talk to you about, but I'll give you an example. So. All those countries are first-to-file countries. So if you um, are doing well in the U.S. and some, what, what, what country do you say, Japan, the EU? Yeah. Yeah, it's a clever Japanese person or EU person uh, notices this on a trip or is, you know, doing market research with their team here and they see the product, they can go and they can uh, reverse engineer it and, and then get a patent on it in Japan and then you can't sell it there without infringing their patent and they'll sue you for patent infringement. Uh, China is another whole story, but we won't even go there today. So, right, China is a whole other story. I mean, the only the only way you can get protection in China is to follow that. Right? Like if you manufacture there, if you sell it there, it's probably going to get copied by somebody else, and then they'll find the patent if you have already. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. Thank you. All right. Nice yeah. to meet you, Mark. Go ahead and join the email list, and we hope we'll see you again some other time. So we're going to bring Beverly back because Beverly had a follow-up question. And uh, go ahead, Beverly. The mic is yours again. Thank you. I was wondering what I, – I can't seem to get a straight answer on provisional patents, of provisional patents. I'll give you a straight answer. I'm just trying to figure out when do I file, when my design is absolutely – ready to go into manufacturing or do I, am I just concerned with the idea? Uh, what? What's the question? When is the correct time to file a provisional patent? Ah, okay. Because I have had attorneys tell me I really need to wait until all of my design has been, because it's a device and not a software tool, it's a hardware, it's a hardware situation. Design, patent, design patent. Pardon me? We're talking about a design patent rather than a utility patent. What is the difference? The design patent basically patents the design of the product as opposed to uh, the utility patent which patents the functionality and the, and the way that the product functions. Okay, so yes, it's the design. Okay. Design. Okay, so I mean, I think what you just said, the event prosecutors are telling you is the opposite of what I understand. I mean, to me, um, a lot of startup companies will file a provisional patent because they can describe the design very broadly. Um, it's harder to describe design more you know, broadly than, than utility. Um, and then if you want, within a year before you file the full design application, you can fill in the blanks create, you know, add more detail, pivot, as it were, and 
you know, flush it out after after you further, you know, reduced it to practice and um, got feedback from customers and things like that. So I, I, I see it as less uh, permanent, more of a stopgap. But, you know, uh, frankly, I'm not a patent prosecutor. I think you want to talk to somebody who tried. I can, I'm happy to refer you to uh, someone that uh, you can discuss it with. Thank you very much. All right. Nice to see you again, Beverly. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Joe Daniels. Uh, sorry, let me change the caption again. He's a friend of ours, as they say. Um, been very supportive of the Startup Council's efforts. We appreciate that. I think we have one more question, uh, Joe, which is uh, Gerard couldn't get his, uh, his camera to work, but he's asking about uh, international uh, outsourcing software development, basically. So his question is, while IT development can be less expensive overseas, how do you deal with legal enforcement? Such as NBAs and IP protection, or do you suggest staying in the U.S. initially? Um, what, what kind of operations are you talking about doing overseas? That's all I've got. <laughs> IT development. <laughs> I'm not sure actually. We'll talk at a um, high level here, I guess. Yeah, I mean the classic dev shop in Ukraine or India, right? So, I mean, the way we typically do this is is uh, um, or I think that let's, let's take it from both sides. The way the Indians will typically propose to be done is they've got a company over there, Blank Private Limited, and you contract either directly with that company through, through an MSA, and that MSA says that you own the IP that you pay for. MSA is a MSA focuses a master services agreement. Master services agreement, right? Uh, and but you have to also make sure that that uh, Indian company or Ukrainian company, same thing, has the right agreements with each of the individuals that are actually providing the service, that are actually consulting uh, you and, 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 you know, engineering the code. Because if not, then you just have a shell company assigning something they don't own to you. Right? So I want to make sure that there's the chain of IP title is, is secure all the way to your company. Uh, that's the key. Now, how do you deal with enforcement? Enforcement of contract is very difficult in India, but it, it, you know, at least you have uh, maybe five years later, you'll be able to um, assert your IP rights. So what's more important is that having those contracts in place will uh, make uh, investors and potential buyers of your company happy. Um, and, 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 you know, if, if, if there is a late, if the company does well, then you can actually get any lawyers on the ground and sue people for patent infringement or different types of IP infringement. Same thing in Ukraine. Maybe, Ukraine may be more difficult than in the coming months, but uh, previously it was it was fine. So in other words, it's it's difficult, Gerard. You're right to be careful. <laughs> um, and I guess the part that uh, isn't addressed there is is the cost differential, right? So what you're really doing, practically speaking, as a founder, is balancing the cost savings you would have by going overseas, and per, but perhaps putting yourself in a less uh, legally enforceable uh, environment versus paying more here in the States and hopefully having recourse to the United States court system. So those are the kind of trade-offs. That's why you're the boss, right, <laughs> as a founder, uh, and doing both of those. Uh, you know, it's the, the old joke. You can have uh, good, you can have fast, or you can have cheap. Pick two, right? You, you can't have all three, right? So um, that certainly applies. I even got joke. And they use that overseas dev shop for the initial development, and then they start bringing people on board into the U.S., even maybe moving some of those people who are overseas to the U.S., and then um, effectively replacing that 
And so only the old IP in the software or whatever is being developed is, is subject to those risks. And then it's, it gets replaced over time. Yeah, good point. All right, so all right, we're already almost at an hour here. I'm sorry we got started a little late. I'll take a few more questions, but I know Joe's a super busy guy, so I told him half an hour. He's already gone over. Um, so if, if we were here, we would applaud, but thank you, Joe. Nice to see you again. Appreciate your support. Um, and uh, let me put his title up there again. If you need to reach him, you can uh, reach him through me, or you can find um, mccarterenglish.com or Google him on LinkedIn, or by the way, all of you are welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn, and I can put you in touch with Joe if that's helpful. Um, he's a specialist at this stuff, obviously knows his stuff, uh, and would be happy to hear from you. All right, so thanks, Joe. Good to see you. Everybody stay on. I can do a couple more questions if you'd like, And uh, but thanks, Joe. Nice, happy. Uh, all right, good to see you. All right, so that's our friend Joe Daniels. And uh, as a reminder, I'm Scott Fox. I'm the head of the Startup Council. I do this, and I also run these Masterminds workshops. Uh, and I wrote these books and I do all this kind of stuff just basically to help you guys because I enjoy helping early stage entrepreneurs and I think together we can make a difference in the world as I said at the top of the show. So before we run out of time, I thought we would have a, um, a little discussion about um, Rebecca's question, I think, about negotiating equity. Um, geez, thank you for all the chat messages. I'm having trouble keeping up with them. Uh, if you wanted to talk about, yeah, any tips on negotiating equity with investors? So this is an area, this is kind of my specialty. Uh, sneak preview, my next book is going to be about this. So I think about this a lot. Um, and it's been interesting for me personally because the um, uh, my personal evolution is probably what a lot of you are, are under on the same road. I was a founder uh, 20 years ago. Uh, raised venture capital, started some companies, um, did well with some, one almost bankrupted me, um, and, you know, up and down along the way. But, uh, you know, over time, I've done well, and now I spend most of my time investing. So I've, I literally wear both those hats. I'm the entrepreneur, but I'm also now mostly an investor, so I see both sides. Uh, and I didn't come from money, and I don't have resources from outside that are, you know, this is all me, <laughs> unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately. So I think my perspective is a lot like you guys, and that's why I want to, I'm going to write another book specifically about this topic. Anyway, if you think that sounds helpful, let me know. Um, so, okay, tips of negotiating with early stage investors. So the main thing I already talked about, which is the biggest mistake I see early stage founders doing. Um, oh, by the way, let me, if you, um, if you wouldn't mind liking and sharing this kind of stuff, the only reason I do this is to try to help more people, right? It's, I'm not making any money here. Um, and I would love to have you like it, subscribe. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, say hello, follow us. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast version, you know, share that with somebody. You, you get the idea, right? It's the social media. If you would do that, please, that would really help. Every one of those little comments tweaks the algorithms and means that we can reach more people to help do this. And I especially do this for diverse and early stage founders who come from, who are outsiders like I used to be and become insiders. Uh, and uh, especially if you're a minority or challenged in some other way, uh, that's really why I do this. So anyway, if that sounds uh, good to you, please like and share and subscribe. So, sorry, back to negotiating. So negotiating tips, the biggest thing um, is to find the right investors, right? This is really overlooked, and I'm not sure why, but most of the advice is kind of so focused on the entrepreneur and what the entrepreneur's plan and product market fit and um, finding customers, which are all, of course, super important. But like I talked about earlier, you've got to have the whole package, right? And part of that whole package is the ability to deliver on all of those things, but deliver them not only to the right customers, but to the right investors. You've got to find investors who really do what you do. 
It, it's just like lawyers or doctors, right? If you, if you break your ankle, you don't go to an eye doctor, right? And I hear this with lawyers all the time. If you're raising funding, don't go to your uncle who's a divorce lawyer, right? You go to a specialist like Joe or other attorneys that I can recommend to you guys. There's a lot of good attorneys in the world that do this all the time, right? So you want to find the people that invest in companies like yours all the time. Why? Because it'll make your life so much freaking easier, right? If, if, you, if you go to a late stage, um, uh, like a, a firm that invests in Series C industrial, um, you know, in aerospace startups, but you're a pre-seed software startup in the media space, like you're wasting each other's time, right? Uh, and that's why so many investors, so many entrepreneurs get frustrated when trying to raise money because they, they're just knocking on doors that are, are not designed for them. So, if, so to answer Rebecca's question, if you can find the right people, the negotiation gets a lot easier, a lot faster because they already speak the same language and it makes it easier to build the trust that you can trust each other. Now, you still have to negotiate and you still need somebody like Joe or uh, another qualified attorney who specializes in this stuff on your side. And then you need to go through the term sheet in, in detail. You need to look at the, um, the stock, size of the stock option pool and the pro rata rights and uh, the liquidity preferences. And, um, and there's, da, 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 da. there's all kinds of this stuff. You know, are you going to use a safe note, a pre-money safe or a post-money safe? Like all of these are real issues that can truly affect the financial outcome of your deal. But they're also complicated enough that people like Joe and me, we do this all the time. I, I can't even do that in five minutes for you, Rebecca, right? But the point is, if you get on the right road with the right kind of fellow travelers who are interested in this space, you'll get closer faster. And then you do need, you know, you need to read a book like the one that Sam showed or listen to stuff like I'm talking about. And I'll be happy to talk about this more in other, in other forums. Um, but the, the key is to get oriented with the right partners first. And um, anyway, I, I'm repeating myself, but I hope that's helpful because that's the piece a lot of people miss. Uh, they think it's all about getting their plan ready and then spray and pray, right? Send it to everybody. And, you know, if I send it to a thousand people, one of them will invest. Okay, that, that's not good for anybody, right? And it not only wastes your time and their time, but it hurts the other entrepreneurs who might have had something legitimately interesting to that firm, right? And you weren't appropriate for that firm. So if we all just dial it back a little bit and focus, do the research up front, I think you'll get a much higher hit rate. So anyway, I had a little personal rant of mine. I hope that's helpful. So I want to talk about our next event is, um, I believe it's going to be March 9th which is uh, the next Masterminds Workshop. And that's where we can go into more depth on these specific things. Uh, like our friend Sandy was here. He wanted to talk about his knowledge-based startup um, or uh, Rebecca has more questions about this, blah, blah, blah. These kind of questions uh, are all totally legit. Uh, at those events, it's a Zoom meeting and it's not just me and a couple people on camera. It's everybody on camera at once. And I moderate it so that we work through people's questions. Um, and we'd be happy to have you there. Um, get on the email list. Uh, let me put that back on. Where's the email list prompt? Get on the email list, um, and uh, that way you'll hear about these things, and we're trying hard to help you, and I hope that this is useful to you. Uh, like and share, and uh, go out and conquer. That's, that's the job. That's the homework. That's your homework till next time, okay? Uh, go out and conquer. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'm Scott Fox, and I uh, hope to see you again next time. We do this once a month. Uh, what is this? This is the first Tuesday or last Tuesday? Fourth Tuesday, I think it is. I think it's fourth Tuesday of every month. And we'll be here again and hope to see you again, too. And uh, hope this was useful. Uh, please like and share and let me know. All right? Thanks. Good luck with everything. Bye-bye.